Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Episode 50. We are continuing our series on joy. Today, we are looking at our emotions. Hello, Father. Hello, daughter. Good to be back together. Always. And can you believe this is episode 50? 50. That's wild. It is. Sounds like we've been doing this for about a year. Yeah, almost. I think our our original, we dropped our episodes, our first episodes in July last year. Okay. And we did like five at once or something. I can't remember exactly how many. So we're almost, yeah, we're almost to our one year anniversary. That's pretty cool. I think we even got in a congratulations, didn't we, from somebody like, hey, your podcast made it past 10. I was like, <laughs> so. Oh, yes. Yeah, no. The, the behind-the-scenes trackers like to to say, oh, congr- congratulations on this achievement. 10, yay. 25, yay. 50, you know. So yeah, excellent. Very so nice here we them. are. We made it to 50. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, hey, last episode, we talked about building resilience, and you introduced your new acrostic, CASA which reminds us of the importance of calming, appreciating, storytelling, and attacking toxic thinking. We're going to continue talking about those habits, and today we're coming at them from the angle of our emotions. So we've talked about calming and appreciating a lot on the podcast um, through various means, um, and you're going to have more to say about each letter of the acrostic in the podcast series that will come out soon with Chris Corsi, and we'll let you know more about that when that's available. Um, so today, I want to talk a little bit more of, I'm going to emphasize storytelling a little bit more. Um, so much of telling a joy story is being aware of emotions and either handling them appropriately or gleaning a lesson for how to handle them better in the future. And in order to do this, it would be good for us to have a better understanding of emotions. So before jumping into each specific emotion, though, let's set up the context with some helpful brain science. When we were plotting out our episodes, you called this one Taming the Amygdala. How very sciencey of you. <laughs> so um, what do you want to tell us about the amygdala and our emotions? So I remember uh, watching Dr. Wilder do a uh, conference from the 1990s, I think it was, uh, on joy bonds versus fear bonds. And he had so much brain science in here, and I'd never heard any of it before. And so it was like, listen for two minutes, pause, take notes, think. You're like, listen for three minutes, pause, type, you know, and he's throwing around this term amygdala and cortexes and, you know, and I'm like, I don't know my cortex from my, you know, nucleus accumbens. I don't know what's going on with all these words. So uh, that's kind of where the the whole journey start, started. I And everything I know about the brain, honestly, has come just from studying gym stuff. And so what I've... What he's told me is that the amygdala is basically level two of the joy elevator. So if you think about the joy elevator having a first floor attachment, I think of that first floor as like a light bulb in the brain. It lights up when I feel like being with somebody or lights up when somebody suddenly or something becomes personal to me. So, for example, we're walking through a crowded city and... Most people are just sort of background until all of a sudden somebody starts walking towards you and now all of a sudden they become personal to you. And so once they become personal to you, it goes to level two and level two is the amygdala. And that is what we tend to think of as our fight or flight center. But what the amygdala's job is to do is to give you a quick 
kind of triage on this thing that just became personal to you. And it will can only do one of three assessments. This is either good, this is bad, or this is scary. And uh, it will quickly make that assessment. It does it faster than you can think about it. And then it sends it on up. And so that it gets up to level three of this joy elevator. That's where you're reading people. So let's say that somebody's walking towards you and it lights up as this is bad. Okay, it's going to send that signal up. Now you're going to start reading this person's body language. And bad um, tends triggers low energy emotions in us, like shame, you know, disgust, uh, sadness, or despair. So I might feel any of those emotions based on how I read, you know, this person coming at me too. It's like I can, I could see someone coming and feel shame, like, oh no, I can't believe they saw me, or I'm not dressed right, or whatever it is. I have a, a, a I could have a shame reaction at somebody coming to her. I could have a disgust reaction, like, ooh, I hope that person doesn't, you know, get around here. Or I could have a, a sadness reaction. Maybe they remind me of somebody, or maybe they they trigger a memory. I'm not even conscious of what memory is getting triggered. I just know something about them coming is making me sad. And uh, so when you look at 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 it that way, it'll also send it could also send a high energy emotion trigger, which would be fear and anger. And so now my higher level brain functions have to deal with that on um, based on what the amygdala is doing. So when the amygdala will will get uh um, and based on how well I can handle the signals from my amygdala, my, uh, that depends on my how well I'm going to do it, staying myself, acting like myself, remaining relational, and operating from those higher level brain functions. So there you go. That's my uh, there's my brain science summary for the uh, for the day. Okay. Awesome. Well, and so what you just described are what you call the sad, sad emotions. Your um, they're like the six big, sometimes people say the six big negative emotions or the protector emotions. Um, do you want to explain where that comes from? Yeah. So they are directly related to the amygdala. So what happens is, um, you know, we talk sometimes about the brain having an on-off switch. You know, Chris Corsi calls it the joy switch. And when this uh, switch is, is, goes, is on, it means the amygdala is sending a good signal. Everything's okay. It can also be on, if the, even if the amygdala is sending a bad or scary signal, if I have enough capacity to keep, it, to keep it on, that it doesn't overwhelm me. So that can be because I'm getting a very mild signal, or it can be that uh, I just have the capacity to deal the signal that's being sent. Now, the question was, where do the sad, sad comes from? They come from the amygdala in this sense, that when the amygdala triggers something as bad, right, it can do good, bad, or scary. When it triggers as a bad, that gives us the four low energy emotions of these big six. If it triggers something as scary, that's what gives us the two high energy emotions. So just to help myself remember those, I came up with sad, sad, because I so I could remember them. Like, what are these big six again? And I start with the S, it's sadness, that's low energy. Anger, that's high energy. Disgust, that's low energy. Shame, you know, low energy. Then fear or, you know, afraid, anxiety, whatever word you want to use there. And then uh, despair which is low energy. So you got, and so that spells sad, sad, and that's how I remember them. That's where it comes from. It's the uh, amygdala triggering bad is uh, is the SD and the SD of sad, and it triggering fear is the two A's. And if it triggers good, then that's joy, or Yeah, what if it triggers joy, it doesn't create joy. Um, it's more neutral. It's just like the brain can keep functioning without interruption. We're not sending it. It you passes know, up to the next level. It passes with- up to the next level, and it gives me an opportunity uh, to get to my joy center. And uh, so if I have a well-developed joy center, it's, it's it'll be a natural reaction to stay there. So I've heard you and Jim talk about 
how the amygdala, like once you get an impression, it is just always there. And I always struggled with that a little bit. Like, wait, you know, you can change your story or you can change things or like have a new first impression on something. So can you explain that a little bit? So that's true. Once the amygdala learns something, it's permanent. So what can change is my narrative about it and my capacity to deal with it. So for example, when I was a little kid, our next door neighbor had a a big dog and I remember it got in my face and snarled and whatever uh, and scared me. So to this day, right, my initial internal reaction at a dog coming toward me is not good. So I have to, um, but if it isn't triggering too much, I can handle it and then I can, my capacity can handle that. And then I can go to my narrative part of it, give myself a narrative that says, this is going to be fine. This is okay. And I can uh, read the dog and make sure, you know, see if it's, if it's really scary or not. So all that happens really fast, right? Not as, it takes me much longer to explain it than it happens. Um, you know, Jim had the same thing with dogs, right? Cause he grew up in Columbia and their dogs could be deadly. I mean, they ran the streets. They were not pets for homes. So uh, once your amygdala learns that, it never forgets it, and it will trigger it. So what keeps it from being hopeless is that we can overcome that with by growing our capacity and changing our narrative. Okay, good to know. And so how how would this factor in with the art of storytelling? So... <laughs> Let me first of all explain where why storytelling is one of these things, yeah. right? Because I um, wrote the book Chris Corsi. Chris, uh, of course, is the uh, director or president of Thrive Today, and Thrive Today's origins were taking the gym si- the gym science. They're <laughs> taking the brain science of gym. That's probably a good term, gym science. What life model works, but it's a. Uh, it's taking the uh, the brain science that Jim was uh, learning and working together to develop exercises to see, could you train somebody who had missed out on what they needed as an infant or a toddler? And could you, as an adult, now train them in such a way that they could still learn that skill and have that capacity and not be trapped, right, because of their childhood? And so they began developing these exercises and they developed Thrive Training out of this. Well, when you get to level two of Thrive Training, it's mostly storytelling, And so that was what prompted me to say, hey, I think storytelling needs to be one of these four habits because that's the primary tool, right, you guys are using to to do this. So what storytelling does is a couple of things. Number one, uh, storytelling builds relational connection. So it engages. So if you tell me a story, uh, it gets my right brain engaged with your right brain. So it helps to grow and expand my capacity to, to share mutual mind with you as I'm, you know, in the same story with you. I'm building a world in my mind as you're creating a world for me with your words, right? And so we are sharing this as we're both having this, you know, connection. So there's a relational connection part of it. And then there's the the narrative itself has to do with my belief system. And what I'm trying to do is create a library in my head. And the library, because of the library in my head will pull up not only memories, but what those memories mean to me. And so uh, changing our narrative, right, and getting a, a changing the way we tell stories can be hugely important to managing our emotions. 
So, so it, it's the stories you tell yourself and it's the stories you tell other people. It's both. It's the stories we tell ourselves and and it's how we talk about our emotions to people. So where this connects specifically, this is uh, I actually did an experiment with this not too long ago when I was doing a uh, corporate training event. And I asked, uh, it was a small, small group. And I just uh, had them go around a circle and gave them a few basic instructions, said, uh, tell us an emotion story. And what I realized, and I hadn't really expected this, but what I realized was every one of them followed the same pattern. And the pattern was, this bad thing happened to me. That made me feel this bad emotion. And that's why I am the way I am. And so what people were doing is their story was reinforcing why they were messed up. It's like this uh, This story is this bad thing happened, made me feel these negative emotions, and to this day, that's why I can't handle this emotion. Well, if that's what you're telling yourself over and over and over again, one, that's not good self-talk. That's going to keep you stuck. And two, when I'm telling that story to other people, it's just reinforcing that this is my identity, right? I am a person who cannot handle this emotion. Well, what we want to do is actually grow our capacity to handle those emotions. So part of that is going to be changing our stories, changing our narrative. So um, here in a minute, we'll tell them how to do that. Yeah. Well, and I also think it's been a while since we talked, I think, specifically about joy pathways. And that is um, key for, as we go through each of our emotions, one of the reasons why it's important to have storytelling, have stories collected for each of the emotions is it helps build our joy pathways. Yes, it's connected. So the uh, joy pathway idea is that um, pathways form in our brain as neurons connect with each other. The first and most fundamental way that those things connect is not our stories. It is our mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. So the first way that those connect is our mirror neurons watch other people handle emotions and go, oh, that's what that looks like too. So I don't have to blow up just because somebody gets angry at me or I don't have to shut down just because someone gets angry at me. That's what that looks like. But if I don't, but the second way, if my mirror neurons can't watch somebody do it, the second way I learn is by storytelling. I listen to someone tell me a story of how they handled it, and my mind can imagine that. And so it functions at, at a slightly lower level, but in a similar fashion. It helps me to imagine what that would look like, and then my brain learns, well, I think I could do that. And so we, and so as that happens, neural pathways begin to form in the brain, and it starts as this weak chain, and then it gradually gets stronger as we do it more often, and then the more often we do it, it it uh, gets stronger, and then finally it starts to um, develop white matter and becomes a habit. Yeah. So we want to start collecting stories about each of our emotions. And if we don't have stories from our own experience that we can lean on right away, we can talk to other people and get their stories. Um, And that is also helpful. Yes. So for example, if I don't handle shame well, but you do, uh, you telling me a story of a time you experienced shame and it you didn't have to deflect it. You didn't have to put it on somebody else. And you actually were able to remain yourself. That story is going to sound amazing to me because my mind's going to go, you can do that. I mean, that's not how I would have responded. And so listening to you tell stories of how you handled emotions well are not only good for you, but it's good for other people. And then you can add it to your library to pull up when you need to, to practice and meditate on those kinds of stories. So We are going to talk about the high and low level emotions, Um, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the high level or or the high energy emotions, and those are anger and fear. Now, first, uh, 
in sad sad uh the a is anxiety and you um you talk about how actually fear and anxiety are a little bit different so do you want to start off by yeah, explaining I, remember, that? I, I did sad sad with a is anxiety and then uh, jim corrected me he goes technically anxiety and fear are not the same thing so i'm like duly noted but it's already in print so you know we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go with this and in uh, what he said was actually quite helpful, and that is anxiety is always rooted in my beliefs. So what happens here is that the right side of my brain and the left side of my brain mirror each other. So there is, you know, that attachment thing. On, is, the uh, thalamus is on the, the base of both sides. There's an amygdala on both sides. There's cortex on both sides. There's a, you know, uh, there's a, all these things mirror each other. And so what happens is that some of our emotions are triggered because of what's coming up through the right hemisphere of the brain. And we can have other emotions that are triggered by what's coming down on the belief side or the left side where my narratives and beliefs are. And so both can trigger my amygdala, but different sides of the brain. So when my right brain is triggering the amygdala, that's fear. When my left brain is triggering the amygdala because of what I believe, that's anxiety. And so, you know, Jim was like, we didn't, it's it's helpful to clarify those and keep those separate, which I get because, um, you know, as he put it, he said, uh, anxiety is always anchored in imagination. And that is, I can imagine a bad thing happening and I'm reacting in fear to what might happen. And so it's always anchored in a what if kind of scenario. And uh, yeah. And then related to that, he said, the only thing we truly fear is an emotion we can't handle. That's fascinating. Yeah. Because I, I tend to think we fear pain. But he was like, no, actually, we fear the emotions that the pain's going to make us feel. Because there's plenty of people who actually look forward to a little bit of pain in a workout or something like that. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to like that feeling afterwards because it means I'm making progress. So I'm not traumatized by it. There's other kind of pain we feel and we're like, uh, I don't think I ever want to experience that again. The emotional thing that happened with the pain was too great. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. So do you want to talk a little bit more about fear? I think actually it would be interesting since we also call these not just the big six negative emotions, we call them the protector emotions. What's protective about fear? So um, these things are meant to protect us from pain, right? Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, to protect us from harm. And so the idea is like if I see a snake and uh, and I have no fear, um, that might not be good, right? Because I'll just keep right on going. So I need a little shot of adrenaline or you know, to say, hey, you better get out of here. Or if I, uh, you know, it's the same thing. There's, But that fear is not meant to last for more than like 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And so our problem comes when I don't have that joy pathway in my brain, when I don't have those neural pathways formed. Once that fear gets triggered, I can't get out of it. And that's when it becomes really um, a problem because now cortisol starts pumping through my brain. It starts eating brain cells. And, I, I, and everything positive that it's been trying to get built through joy gets like shoved into reverse as fear takes over. Yeah. Well, and it just even reminds me when we talk about needing to tame the amygdala, how so often once you are in a negative emotion, it's even easier to just like 
snowball into other emotions like, oh, I'm feeling fear or now I'm feeling anger and I'm feeling shame for feeling that. And now, oh, I'm just, you know, and it just like snowballs. And so part of taming the, the amygdala is. Right. And, and part of what's going on there is once you're already in the back of your brain, mm-hmm. if you're staying in the back of your brain, you're in the neighborhood with all those other negative emotions. And so getting out of the back of your brain and back to the front of your brain where your joy center is, is what the whole point of joy pathways are. How do we get out of here in 90 seconds or less, like the way it's supposed to be? Um, but the reality is if I don't have a big joy center and I don't have those joy pathways, um, forget 90 seconds, it could be 90 days for some people where they just can't get out of the back of their brain. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's talk about the other, the high level emotion, anger. Anger is, you know, on the protector level, it's, it's that I want this injustice or this pain to stop. Right. And it's, it can be a yeah. positive, very positive thing, but it, it can be. So can like be God gets angry. Exactly. <laughs> right? God gets angry. And uh, one of the reasons that he gets angry is that people are doing wrong things, right? They're being unjust and they are hurting people and they are doing things that are wrong. And so anger is meant to give us that motivation that we need to make something stop. And that's why there is such a thing as righteous indignation. Um, but I think that uh, um, when anger gets triggered for a lot of us, it's the problem is that it, it, we just we don't always have a value system underneath what we're trying to make stop, and so it can take off. And that's why God says, "Don't let the sun go down on your anger." In other words, it's not meant to last that long. Okay, so um, you're not supposed to live there. Not supposed to live there. Yeah. So, can you remind us uh, a good that your your step acrostic for how to tell us? Joy story, or yeah, um, have we told this before? I'm trying to remember, but I, I think we, that, we did touch on it last episode, okay, I think. Okay, so the um, uh, so again, I want going back to Thrive training, they had uh, what they call four plus stories for those people who are familiar with Thrive, that's what they're talking about. And so, I was working with Chris, like, hey, can we turn this into something that's easy to remember? And it goes, uh, step stands for S is setting. So when I tell the story, I'm like, what's the setting? So you say, well, I was in an airport one night, or I was at a grocery store, or I was, you know, I was at home in bed, whatever it is, but you give the setting of what where the story starts. And then you tell T is the trigger. What was the triggering event then that that created an emotional reaction for you? Because this is how to tell an emotion story. So I got a setting and then I got the trigger. And then E is I want to explain the emotion. And when I explain the emotion, I want to show that emotion on my face and with my body, and I want to give a name and words to that emotion, and I want to describe the impact it had on my body. So there's really kind of three things connected to emotion, and they're all about explaining it, and that is, you know, how did my body react when I felt that emotion? So it's very important to say, for example, not just I got scared, but, you know, I got scared, uh, my face got hot, my ears, you know, my hair, I could feel getting standing up, I could feel my stomach going into a knot. It's like, what was going on in your body when you felt the fear? That that completes the picture for people of that emotion. And then you go to the point, right? What is the point of the story? And the point of the story, again, if um, the way that the folks at this uh, event were telling it was, and that's why I messed up. Well, that's not the point we want to make. So the point of the story is one of three things generally, and that is, and this is how I acted like myself anyway, and didn't let this turn me into a different person, or this is how I bounced back and recovered from that emotion. Now, maybe somebody helped me and somebody gave me another perspective, but I wasn't left alone here and I, I found my way back. Or thirdly, it's like, no, actually, I totally messed this up. This is, <laughs> I got, you know, 
completely taken out by that emotion, but here's what I wish I would have done. And so I bring it back around to turn it into kind of a teaching lesson. So it's the setting, the trigger, the emotion, an explanation of the emotion, and then the point of the story. Awesome. Well, hey, we're coming up to the end of the episode, and we are going to continue this discussion, uh, especially looking at the low-level emotions next week. But for now, any final thoughts? Yeah, I, it's um, it's a lot of material, right? And I realized that as uh, going through uh, going through and, and learning this through the years, what has amazed me is how completely my paradigm has flipped from thinking that all I needed to do was think right thoughts to realizing that there's a whole other part of my brain that plays a huge role in my emotions, and that I need to kind of do both. I need to tame the amygdala on the right side of my brain as well as the amygdala on the left. And part of that is reclaiming control of my body through calming, you know, building my capacity through appreciation, and then strengthening all that through the storytelling. So that's where these things come from. And hopefully this is uh, helpful, giving some people some further insight into why we feel the way we do. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you. And thank you all for joining us on the trail today. Deeper Walk International is a nonprofit organization, and we partner with people like you in order to do what we do. Some are on the trail with us as official trailblazers who commit to donating $25 or more per month. We invite you to consider becoming a trailblazer. You can do this very simply by visiting our website, deeperwalkinternational.org trailblazers. If you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the On the Trail podcast, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks again. We'll see you back next.